0: In what has been an uncommon occurrence since Bobby Houck returned to coach the Grizzlies, the Montana football team has some turnover on its coaching staff. Hello, I am Colter Duanez. Since Houck took the reins coming into the 2018 season, only cornerback's coach C.J. Cox has left the program for another position. That is until Shan Schillinger took a job in the SEC and a former Bobcat took over as Montana's safeties coach. Schillinger, a two-time All-American safety during his playing career at Montana before becoming an NFL draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons, spent the last five seasons as an assistant at his alma mater, coaching safeties and helping Hauk with special teams coordination. As first reported by Skyline Sports, Schillinger has accepted a job as a defensive analyst on Mike Leach's staff at Mississippi State of the SEC. Earlier this week, Skyline Sports also confirmed that Roger Cooper will replace Schillinger as Montana's safeties coach. Cooper was a legendary player at Montana State, earning first-team All-Big Sky honors as a linebacker three years in a row and claiming 2004 Big Sky Conference defensive MVP honors. Cooper spent the last 10 seasons as an assistant at Idaho State, working for mike kramer and rob Fennessy, including serving as isu's defensive coordinator the last six seasons in collegiate swimming missoula native and north carolina state junior katherine burkhoff became the first american woman ever to swim under 49 seconds in the 100 yard backstroke winning her fourth ncaa championship in the process this espn missoula sports center is brought to you by selway armory
1: Laughing bit sets, trying to sell some broken heads. G pass, get off quick for everyone to Reminiscing about the last time the task force flipped. they be running through the block. Time to start the revolution. Catch a body, and for
0: used them once they caught us off guard? The rest of was in the grass and ran like a cheetah with thoughts of an assassin. so amazing <laughs> the things that humans have inside of them. Like, I'm pretty sure Nas was like. 19 or 20 When he wrote this He was actually 17 And it was called There there
1: was a There was a different album That a lot of these tracks Were actually put onto And it was called Live at the Barbecue And his name was Nasty Nas And he was just This little He had this chip broken tooth and just had this swagger. And I remember being at one of those shows being like, dude, who's this little dude that's just walking around like he's a triple OG? And he got up on it and he's like, my name is Nasty Nas and then shredded it. And like no one clapped at the end of it because it was just this like, dude, I think we just saw like evolution of hip hop like (laughs) happen right in front of us. And then everyone went like crazy because they were just like shell shocked by this little, literally little dude.
0: It's amazing. Illmatic by Nas here on... I mean, that's New York State of Mind, of course, but Illmatic, one of the great hip-hop albums ever. It's now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Illmatic has such a distinctly unique place in hip-hop lore, too, because I think that every artist that's produced an album since Illmatic came out would reference Illmatic as an influence. And I think that if you're a... Uh, hip hop aficionado, I think you would also always listed among one of the great hip hop albums of all time. Yet, hands down, and and, and and it sold millions of copies. Yet, it's still not like that mainstream, na- like nationwide, right? Like y- you could totally see. I-, I guess what I'm saying is like, we have a pop station here at Missoula Broadcasting mm-hmm. Company, 104.5 The U, and you know, pop modern hits, whatever. You could definitely skip around and and find on that station some Snoop Dogg, some Dr. Dre. You're not hearing Nas on 104.5, The U. You're not hearing Nas anywhere in the Midwest. Mm -mm. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 It occupies such a unique space because the aficionados love it. The artists love it. It's wildly popular in certain circles, yet it's not mainstream popular. It's only like left coast and east coast popular, right? Yes and no. It's it's you know
1: what I'm saying though? I do know what you're saying. Like it's hip yeah. hop I guess what a, so what a, regionalized. What a
0: great tribute to an artist though to say hey even if this isn't the most mainstream thing, it is the most influential thing. I think that's how Nas would want it to be remembered, right? I like that. I, I'm gonna I'm
1: gonna ride your coattails off of that one. Yeah, this uh when I listen to this album, I hear so many other albums that have come afterwards. Including, and I hate to say it for the fans out there, I hear a lot of Jay-Z and Nas's early stuff. Oh, for sure. A lot. It's like it's and there was a beef there for a second because Nas felt like Jay-Z had a lot of his stuff on his albums too. Oh, for sure. Uh, but just his influence. Influence his flow, his it
0: just changed things. He was a game changer and a game shaper. Jay Z is like the the Russell Simmons uh, plus like James Jet version of Nas. Like he's like the popified, <laughs> like Def jammed version of Nas. You know, the pretty version, exactly, super exactly. shiny, the, 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 exactly, the 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 MTV deliverable version or something like that. Roger Seabrook, in studio with me, Colter Nuatas. Let's dive into our ESPN Roundtable. Hope your bracket's going okay. Hope you got all entered in to our ESPN Bracket Challenge. ESPN Roundtable and the ESPN Bracket Challenge are both presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. We had a great place to watch some games. This is even particularly great for the first couple rounds, but those are already in the rear view. But how about for the weekend games? You go down there, have some breakfast into the games, or maybe you go down there a little early, have some lunch, into some afternoon beers, watching the games, whatever. Mm-hmm. Great place to watch games. 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. You can also place all your wagers there. There's Sportsbet Montana kiosk as well. Paradise Falls proudly presenting the ESPN Roundtable as well as the ESPN Bracket Challenge. We're going to wind our way into getting into the phenomenon that is the St. Peter's peacock, Peacocks in a minute. But first, I wanted to, to just have a... Meandering Conversation. Basically, Rajim is our co-host here today, but he's also our pseudo-guest on the ESPN Roundtable, because we talk a lot about background and point of origin, all that stuff, Yep, both here on the show and just as friends. Mm -hmm. But I want to get into it a little more, because I have so many questions, because I find sort of the mystique and allure of where you're from to be so interesting, like... There's it's just a little island. I know it's called so cra- New York. It's so crazy, right? It's like this. It's exactly. It's this little island
1: that is just like this. That has 15.8 million
0: people. Right, on it. right, <laughs> and it's just like this origin point for so many huge parts of American culture, history, history. I mean, we're talking hip hop. This is the where this is where rap music came from. It, there's so many different uh, elements to it, but. You have gotten me into some of the pioneering artists of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to that much Tribe Called Quest or De La Soul or Eric B. and Rakim and all those guys mm. are sort of from where uh, you you come from. So you're like of this formative age where you're old enough to sort of remember when all of that stuff was first brewing at first happening. I mean, you just mentioned you went and saw Nas when he was like a young dude performing you know, straight out of Queensbridge. What do you remember, like, when, when all that stuff was first starting to pop and, and the way that it sort of bubbled out of New York City and then hit the mainstream? It was really cool. I had the distinct pleasure and honor of having
1: my dad and my stepfather both be master recording engineers. Right, right. So they were also, and I hate to use the word pioneer because of some of the connotations that has within sure. modern day, but they were some of the pioneering engineers that were on the forefront. So for me— Because they were doing a lot of, like— Oh, early stuff, stuff with Public Enemy, stuff yeah, with yeah. uh African Bombada, like wow, early cool. stuff. Uh the 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 original uh you know the, the foundation layers, if you will.
0: And, and that's where sort of your love of soul music comes from, too, right? Cuz they had they did a lot of like R&B oh, and funk and soul to, too, oh, right? Oh god, you buddy, I bleed funk music. I know, that's why we always uh, play funk music Funky love Fridays. It. And
1: uh what was cool was was watching much like I I, I parallel it to the grunge movement. Being able to see new music and its origins being created, and there was no governing body, there was no brackets to say don't do this because it was something that was just in its infancy and in its fledgling aspects. And it was like, what is this music? Why are they? Why is you know uh, Johnny Cash and 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 Nat King Cole's on the same record with this hip hop? Like all of a sudden, you have this mashup, this beautiful thing called sampling. For sure. Um, Which then gave homage to artists before, like people who may not have been into... Dixieland jazz. Sure. All of a sudden, we're exposed to this same thing with grunge. Like all of a sudden, if you weren't if you weren't into grunge, but got into it, there were some origins of rock and roll and the earlier rock and rolls and blues artists in there, even though it was all power chords and a different style of music. So to to be part of the birth of a nation, for lack of a better word, was is amazing, and to now see it where it's at, you know, four or five decades later, is is, is it's phenomenal.
0: So much of the origin of rap and hip hop stems from the uh, the early pioneers in things like funk and R and B music and the samplings that you like you're talking about that comes from, but also so much of it comes from just the stories of the streets. Totally. And when I was a young kid, that was one of the most interesting parts to me of diving into the world of listening to rap music. I learned so much about like the L.A. riots from Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Like people forget like. Ain't nothing but a G thing is is a is a fun party song or whatever, but that album is about the L.A. riots. It's the same thing with Illmatic, like New York State of Mind. That song, that album, it's like a history lesson or like a, a close-up view of Queensbridge, and like what that project is like. Why do you think that is? Why do you think this the stories from the streets translate so well to the medium of music, but also just why why do you think that helped? Hip-hop and rap sort of catch fire like it did. It was called a narrative that America had not heard. It was called
1: it was called a narrative that shocking to some. It was shocking to some. It was it was called reality for a lot of people. And regardless of your race or culture, like if you know what it is to be poor and hungry, you related. For sure. You understood what it was like to to be evicted or to live in a certain way. And I don't care if you grew up in the projects or the trailer park, there was a sympathy and empathy. Like I get what this person is saying. And as Q tip would say, street poetry, like it came from a source. Of, of, of realness for, some, for certain people and individuals and it was so new it was so n- a niche at the time that you couldn't not pay attention to it and it was powerful and like going back to the sampling the lyrics were new but the music was somewhat familiar like I, I, I know parts of that for a reason so I can't turn my head away from it Because my grandfather listened to it at church, you know, after in the basement after after church on Sundays. So um, it was just it was it was counterculture within a new culture that created a subculture that is now the rocking and dominant culture of today.
0: Unbelievable! It's also so interesting to see the way it's gravitated away now now too, because it has become almost the definition of pop music. I mean, hip hop and pop go hand in hand now, and sort of the the stories of the streets have been removed to a large extent. It, It has been sort of how do you say? It's been, uh, it's been, it's softened a bit. It's the ESPN Roundtable nuanas Now here on ESPN Radio. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. If your bracket is busted, you're not doing so well in the ESPN Montana Nuanas Now Bracket Challenge, we got to redo. I just launched the group. I just uh, searched Nuanas Now, redo Uh, uh, Or maybe it's uh, Nuwana's now ESPN MSLA Redo. That'll get you the group. And uh, it's just that if you go to the ESPN.com on the Tournament Challenge, you'll see a bracket second chance. And then just search for the ESPN Nuwana's now ESPN Missoula Redo group. And uh, we're going to reel out some of our prizes. Our $100 gift card from Warren's Market, that's going to go to our first place winner. In the redo, in the second chance bracket, and then we have two, one each for second and third place, $50 gift cards to the AC Hotel. So if your bracket's busted, you're not doing so well, or if you just want to get in on the competition, go to ESPN.com, go to the tournament challenge, go to the second chance bracket, and then search Nuanez is now ESPN, and you'll find the ESPN Missoula redo group. So go get it all entered in there. You and I were debating earlier via text the uh, the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. We obviously threw Illmatic in there. You threw Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest, which may be another one that's incredibly influential but maybe not as well-renowned. Or I guess it's well-renowned, it's just not... As mainstream famous You also threw it I, th- I always think this is so funny I don't know why I think it's so funny But I do think it's so funny That you love the Beastie Boys I love the Beastie all, Boys I absolutely How do you not love well, the Beastie I, Boys? I, I agree I just. I don't know why I think it's funny but That
1: was another story I remember being 14 Maybe 13 years old My parents went to the Bahamas For like their I don't know Some celebration And my buddies were like Dude let's like these, the Beastie Boys are at this club called CBGB's which was famous for punk music like just a crazy raucous scene Dead Kennedys would hang out there Sex Pistols so on yeah, and so yeah. forth right yeah. and so uh, we skate across the Brooklyn Bridge and we go down to CBGB's and we just hear this crazy music and then they were like the Beastie Boys are here and this is before License to Ill and they're just up there raging and I'm like this is the energy I want. Like these kids, like Ad Rock, and they just didn't care. Not that they didn't care; they were just not afraid to be themselves. And they did this like thirty-minute punk, uh,
0: that's punk what, scene. That's why they're so fascinating because they do. They have they had like the new age and the punk wrapped into the rap.
1: Totally. And then that's what happened. They. Were, I was just like, dude, I'm really not into this sound because it was just really hard hardcore. And then. They flipped it into their version of hip hop, and it was just like, dude, what is this? This is something new, Chil- brewing on the Lower East Side, and three Jewish boys, two from Brooklyn, one from Manhattan, and it was just like, dude, what is this about? And it was dope. And and for those who were listening, the BC from that point on, it was SOB, which I don't want to get into the acronym for it, and then Licensed to Ill, and every from that point on. You know, you know the rest of their history.
0: Off and running. The other album you referenced that I wasn't as familiar with, but they did sort of a little deep dive, read a little bit about, Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul's debut album.
1: Most, one of the most, even if you're not a hip hop fan, this is one of the most influential albums of all time because it gave credence to what we are now considered called sampling. Mm. And most of their album was sampled from so many varieties of music, but they didn't get what was called sample clearance back in those days. Mm-hmm. It hadn't happened. It wasn't a thing yet. And uh, if you listen to the album, I mean, they sampled Johnny Cash, Nina, I mean, just Frank Sinatra. Like, just, it didn't matter. They just dabbled into it. But it also gave, uh, if you listen to the album, it gave what hip-hop albums now have these things called skits or interludes between. Right, right. De La Soul was the originator. So when you look at their mass sampling, intros and outros No one had done it until these guys did it. So, to me, even if you're not into the music, the historical aspect of what came around this album to what helps with mainstream music now was huge. If De La Soul's here, we we don't know anything about sampling.
0: Interesting. Lessons about the East Coast with Rajim Subroka here on our ESPN roundtable. The other sort of entry point I had to where you're from. Because I've never been out there. I've only been to D.C., but I've never been we north we got to go DC. back. We should go back together. I would, I would love to do that. Let's man. go. That'd be, that'd be fun. Um, we'll come back 80 pounds
1: heavier, because the only <laughs> thing I do on the East Coast is <laughs> eat. Right. Manja say
0: manja. That's awesome. Well, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was He Got Game. Of course, about the kid from Coney Island, Jesus Shuttlesworth. People think, uh, there's a lot of people that think that it's loosely based off of Stefan Marbury's life, or that Stefan Marbury's rise they drew elements from it absolutely they did people also maybe don't realize that ray allen who played jesus shuttlesworth was actually the second choice the first choice was going to be kobe bryant Mm -hmm. but then kobe bryant was sort of reticent to do that because rick fox was also in the movie and he didn't want to seem like a big timer for his future lakers teammates so they went with ray allen uh first but uh, that's also then part of the the legend of basketball. Mm-hmm. That that movie was sort of this, regardless if it's about a specific person or not, it's about every person, right? Mm-hmm. It's about so many kids from Coney Island and the kids that grew up playing on the blacktop and the kids that grew up going to Rucker Park and all the ballers that came out of New York City. So, how much does that just mirror? life uh from where you're from that just the the way that you, everybody can just roll it out and play basketball till midnight every night that's le- that's a legit thing yeah. uh i i
1: i remember playing basketball till 11 o'clock at night i remember going down to rucker park and, yeah, yeah. and or washington square and seeing anthony mason play, seeing charles oakley show up i remember one time bill cartwright was balling and throwing nice. it down uh chris weber like just dudes of that ilk and that nature the the thing about that aspect of basketball. It wasn't just the sport. It was everything else that encompassed it: right. the right. music, the food, totally. the hair. It's like a block the party, right? It was a big block party, right. and um, basketball was sometimes the last thing. Sure. It was. It right. was more about, oh wow, we got eight hundred people here just hanging out, having a good time, and no one's upset. No one's in. Tr- oh, and there's Kevin Durant. Oh, <laughs> you know there's Scottie Pip. Oh, there's Earl the Goat Man ago. You know what I mean? Oh, there's Patrick Ewing. Um, it was it was just a cultural phenomenon that actually, to tell you the truth, gave birth to what uh, many in their late twenties to early thirties would remember now as the N one mixtape tour. For sure, like, those are the foundations that that type of basketball and society and culture gave. Um, we're talking about births of a nation, like that's what gave streetball credence and what actually, like, and you lo- if you look at N one, that changed how the NBA did things. For sure. Uh, so it's just these overlapping worlds of intersectionality, my friend.
0: So this brings us all the way to the point here, which is about the St. Peter's Peacocks, who come from Jersey City, actually actually in New Jersey, like right outside of the New York City metropolitan area. And before we get into what's going on with the Peacocks, because if you missed the memo, they beat Kentucky, and then they also beat Murray State, and they are the only fifth, the only the third, excuse me, 15th seed ever to advance to the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. of the NCAA tournament. But well, here is a couple tidbits, and I'm going to have to uh, get on my phone in a minute to, to continue this. But uh, a guy who used to work as an assistant coach, I think he was a grad assistant at St. Peter's, he had a phenomenal Twitter thread all about just what it's actually like at St. Peter's. And if you're if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, maybe you've seen some of the comparisons. But there was a uh, like a gif going around. Maybe it was a meme. I don't know the difference between any of these things. But some sort of – parallel pictures comparing and contrasting Kentucky's basketball gym with St. Peter's basketball gym. You basically are looking at like a Mecca compared to like your local church. Like not really. even as not nice. even right. No, totally. Like for sure. Like the shack, the shack here in, in Missoula and stuff like way nicer than that. Yeah. Like you're looking at like, not even, I, I don't even want to make comparisons. You're looking at the, one of the elite arenas in college basketball and then, arena, if you said that a middle school team played there, you'd say, oh, you need a paint job. So St. Peter's has uphill sledding as much as anybody. Mm -hmm. I think they're a great example for a lot of the coaches in college basketball that are constantly worrying and wasting time on all the resources they don't have. But I think there's a a, uh, specific reason why. There's several specific reasons why, which we're going to get into. But here's some stories from a former uh, St. Peter's assistant that he was – Posting on Twitter earlier this week, he said, "I remember my second year. Well, this is from a, this is a text that this guy actually got from an assistant at Iona, who, which is a, a school around that same area. They play in the same conference same in conference, the Max, right? During warmups at St. Peter's, someone took a jump shot, hit the rim, and the rim fell off the basket. There's a 40 minute delay. They had to get a full new basket installed. This assistant coach that used to work at St. Peter's goes on to tweet: Our players could not blast music during team lifts." Because the weight room bordered on classrooms at the school. Like you're not talking about like the phys ed classes. You're talking about like philosophy and, and psychology classes are being taught in the room right next to the weight room. So this is not like a full separate athletic facility like the the power fives have. Uh, they also had a ESPNU canceled once upon uh, ESPNU game. Excuse me, canceled once upon a time because a leak in the roof. This coach went on to tweet that their press conferences were held in a yoga spin studio downstairs. Uh, There was a pool uh, that St. Peter's would rent to any paying customer. Visiting coaches walking downstairs post-game would regularly encounter, like, screaming kids with their swim gear and random people in the towels. You're talking about you're just going to a press conference. Imagine if, you know... Like Travis Security just had to like walk through the grizzly pool when it's like open swim at seven o'clock at night. Just such a bizarre. It'd be like situation. doing an interview at the basketball courts down at the Elks Lodge. You know
1: that right. Old, right <laughs> like right. just in this hole in the wall. I love it. Let me tell you something about those places. Saint Peter's is is regardless of the lack of amenities. Sure. It's actually, like, top three schools in New Jersey, like, academically it's sound really for, school, for college right? and universities. Like, it's a phenomenal school for that. And is it a Jesuit school? It is, yeah. as a lot of the Northeast schools are. For sure. Uh, the original Big East were all Jesuit schools. Absolutely. And and what I, a lot of people don't understand about, like, teams like Iona, St. Saint, uh, Saint Pete's, and, and schools of that nature, these guys are half a step away from playing for Syracuse. Right, you know, schools of that nature for sure. Um, and then,
0: and and I think that's that was the other part I wanted to ask you about is that if you come from that area, if you come especially from New York City or or mm-hmm. Long Island, you're naturally going to have a chip on your shoulder. By and large, <laughs> most people are right. Choice, design, and birthright. Uh, that's right, exactly. And so then it's like if you give this guy, if this dude really was one step away from Syracuse and half a step away from Rutgers, and then you throw him at a university that is grimy and lacking amenities, it's actually like an advantage in certain ways, right? Because this dude not only knows how to do it, but also will be like, well, I don't care. I'm just here to hoop. I don't care if my rim falls off. I'm still going to have confidence to
1: go beat Kentucky, right?
0: And there's 11
1: more of me on
0: the same team. That's right. It's like their their coach, Chalene, uh, I can't remember his last Holloway. name. Chalene Holloway, yeah, yeah. I, I was getting him and Kevin Willard mixed up because Kevin Willard's on his way out of Seton Hall. All signs are pointing towards uh, Shaleen Holloway going to Seton Hall, which, where, Another he, where school. he once played. Yep. Uh, but as Holloway said, he's had a couple of great quotes in his post-game press conferences. After they beat Kentucky, somebody asked him about it being hard. He's like, man, this isn't hard. Like, Hard is having four kids and like living in the projects and not being able to pay your electricity bill. <laughs> For this real. Is, this is a game. This isn't hard. This is a game. And then somebody asked him after they beat Murray State about the toughness of his kids. He said, Oh my kids are from New York and New, New Jersey. Jersey. Of course we're tough. Yeah, born and bred tough. Yeah, and so I just I think it's interesting. I think it's a great story. And I also think that not all 15 seeds are created equal. There's certainly no. a there's a there's a, the definitive lack of resources and stuff that are at St. Peter's right now. <laughs> but like you said, most of these dudes are playing, you know, like Christ the King High School and stuff like that, you know? Oh, my boy Teddy Wheeler, who I went to middle school with. Oh, out there, speaking of Queensbridge. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, these dudes are playing in the same league that Jesus Shuttlesworth was playing in. The kid from Coney Island was playing in. Yep. It's not like the dudes who, you know, like Montana State was a great big sky champ, but they also, like their seventh band was the Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year. Like, Sam Lecklop's a good player. But it's not the same level of, like, uh, irrational confidence you're going to have. When you when you got a point guard from Coney Island going up against Kentucky, he's way less scared than some dude from Montana State who's going up against Texas Tech. You know what I'm saying? For real. For, <laughs> for real. It is a cool run, though, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, do, do they have any chance in the world? It's funny because when a fifth... Yes, old, because, hey...
1: Yes, we're talking about them right now. So, yes, they have a chance. Of course. That's
0: the thing is like Oral Roberts last year and then Florida Gulf Coast back in 2013. Those are the only other two 15 seeds. What was St. Joseph's? Remember that year? St. Joe's made a great run to the Final Four as I believe like a 10 Maybe a 12? Okay. I felt like that was the only other... I believe that St. Joe's and George Washington are the only two schools... Or, and George Mason, excuse me. George Mason. George Mason are the only two double-digit seeds to ever make it to the Final Four. Love it. Villanova won the National Championship, I believe, as a 9 seed. 9 seat, or 8 seed, even. 8, maybe. that uh, It was uh, in the mid-80s, yep. Raleigh Massimino's first yep. National Championship. But um, well, it's true, because when, when you get to the point where you have these... you know seeds that are in the teens, in the Sweet 16, you you automatically think, well, they don't have a chance. But you have to always remember that if you're the 15 and you're in the Sweet 16, that means you're actually the two. You replaced the two because you beat the two. Yes, sir. So how can you possibly say they don't have a chance? They already beat the two in their bracket. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. St. Peter's uh, plays on Friday. So uh, we'll have some commentary for you about that uh, coming up. Reminder, again, Second Chance Bracket is live. Just search Nuana's now, ESPN Missoula, redo. Get your Second Chance Bracket entered. Chance to win a gift card for 100 bucks to Warden's Market or second and third prize. Each get a $50 gift card from AC Hotel downtown of Missoula. And also, our bracket challenge overall, presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula, rages on. Paradise Falls kind enough to provide a $400 cash prize for our first place winner. gift card for our second-place winner and a $25 gift card for our third-place winner. We also have a variety excuse me, of other uh, sponsors, gift cards, gifts, all that. More than $3,000 worth of cash and prizes we're giving away as part of our bracket challenge. And this has been the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Oh, good one from Andrew in the back. VCU also made the Final Four as a a double-digit seed. When uh, Shaka Smart was there. Oh, my. There's a name. See, this is this is the other. Actually, we're going to take a break. I'm going to tell you on the other side why really great coaches that are coaching at mid-major schools hit it big. Drives me so crazy. Shaka Smart, a great example. Keep it right here. Nuwana's now. ESPN Radio. Missoula Sports Center. In what has been an uncommon occurrence since Bobby Houck returned to coach the Grizzlies, the Montana football team has some turnover on its coaching staff. Hello, I am Colter Duanez. Since Houck took the reins coming into the 2018 season, only cornerbacks coach C.J. Cox has left the program for another position. That is until Shan Schillinger took a job in the SEC and a former Bobcat took over as Montana's safeties coach. Schillinger, a two-time All-American safety during his playing career at Montana before becoming an NFL draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons, spent the last five seasons as an assistant at his alma mater, coaching safeties and helping Houck with special teams coordination. As first reported by Skyline Sports, Schillinger has accepted a job as a defensive analyst on Mike Leach's staff at Mississippi State of the SEC. Earlier this week, Skyline Sports also confirmed that Roger Cooper will replace Schillinger as Montana's safeties coach. Cooper was a legendary player at Montana State, earning first-team All-Big Sky honors as a linebacker three years in a row and claiming 2004 Big Sky Conference defensive MVP honors. Cooper spent the last 10 seasons as an assistant at Idaho State, working for Mike Kramer and Rob Fennessy, including serving as ISU's defensive coordinator the last six seasons. In collegiate swimming, Missoula native and North Carolina State junior Katherine Burkhoff became the first American woman ever to swim under 49 seconds in the 100-yard backstroke, winning her fourth NCAA championship in the process. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
1: It made me an animal. It's rules to the sh- uh-huh. I wrote me a manual. A step-by-step booklet for you to get your game on track. Not your wig pushed back. nombre uno. Never let no one know how much dough you hold. Because you know the to breed Jealousy
0: especially... Right. I love it. Educations <laughs> happening all over the place. You're on Nuwana's now has been Radio. Rajim Seabrook rolled with me. Colter Nuwana's good to have my man back in studio We always try to keep it fresh when our team's rolling along. Talk talk a little pop culture to go with your sports talk radio. Thanks for kicking it with us here on Wednesday. Hope you got some vitamin D today. Sunny around Western Montana. I don't know what's going on on the other side of the Continental Divide, so hopefully uh, you're getting a little sunshine as well. Reminder, we'll be broadcasting live, not just here on ESPN Radio, but also on 103.3 The Trail, Mm. Jack FM 105.9, And 104.5 The U, a four-station remote broadcast from 3 to 6 p.m. tomorrow and Friday, Brett's RV and Marine, So come check us out. Come hang out with them, with us. They're kicking off one of their biggest sales of the year. So swing on down. Come hang out with us. I'll be doing some remote stuff, some promotions, some hits between 3 and 4. And then we'll be rolling on Nuanas now four to six, so come hang out. I might out come visit you, brother. I might Let's
1: bring go. you... I'm actually going to bring you some sunblock because it's that weird time of year. Mm. If you sit out in the sun, you're going to burn up, brother. That's
0: exactly right. So I, 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 I don't hoping,
1: want mama's new boy to be all
0: peely. I was hoping I was going to get a little head sunburn in San Diego, but it was kind of cold in San Diego when I was down there. But regardless, uh, before we get into some more NFL talk, I, I said going on the break, so much of what mid-major college basketball is about is the actual coaching of the teams, the coaches, Mm -hmm. running their systems, running their attitude, their style, the culture, all that stuff. And it seems to work until they get to too high of a level and they have to be this crazy figurehead and they get swallowed up by trying to have top 10 recruiting classes and, you know, making all the videos, being on all the billboards, whatever. And we were talking about VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, who Shaka smart took to the final four as a double digit seed uh, a while back. That seems like so many different iterations of Shaka smart ago, But he recently (laughs) then flamed out at Texas, and who would have ever thought? And that's what I'm getting at, though, is guys like Shaka Smart, the way that they can coach the actual game of basketball and the way that they can instill this attitude and this uh, energy in their players, it seems like it falls short the higher level they get. And I guess what I'm saying is you could say $5 million a year at Texas is a better job than VCU, but he had a better chance of winning at VCU with his style. And it just drives me crazy that that's been so prevalent. You get guys... Out of the mid-majors into the highest ranks, and it just doesn't go as well. This
1: is what I've said about college basketball. There's buy-in versus expectations. Sure. Right? So the expectation that Kansas is there, the expectation that Zona and Gonzaga's are there are always going to be there. Right. The VCUs, the Murray States, the Dayton Racers, the buy-in to get there is higher than the expectation of always being there.
0: Mm, That's a good one.
1: You like that? Yeah, yeah, that's Send me a royalty check. Use it on (laughs) another show.
0: That's why... uh you know, that's why Kansas has, what, one national championship in in my lifetime, even though that they're perennially – I mean, I think they've been in the tournament every year totally. in my 35 totally. years on earth, and I think they've only won the national championship one time, 2008. And the expectation is Kansas is always going to
1: be there, right? right? You talk about schools that are always going to be in the tournament and the expectation, Duke's going to be there, Carolina's going to be there, Michigan State, you know, all these – The expectation versus the buy-in. And when you look at teams that buy-in, they are the Florida Gulf Coast, FGFU. They are the now St. Peter's. They are the VCUs. They are the Dayton Racers and of schools of that
0: ilk. And that is my dichotomous moment of the day. What is your take on Gonzaga? Because this last weekend, Gonzaga punched their seventh straight ticket Mm -hmm. into the Sweet 16. I believe they're one of only three programs. Duke of the Northwest? what To ever do that. But still, there's, it seems as if there's a lot of people that still don't think that is legit. Where are you at with the Zags?
1: They're legit. When you win a national title and you beat 63 other teams in the nation, you're legit. What, is, what was the stat you just gave?
0: Seven what? Seven straight Sweet 16s. They've never won a national title, though. That's the thing that's eluded them. That has eluded they, them. They've played, they played for the national title a year ago. They've yes. been in the Final Four, I believe, three times in the, three last five? Four, the last five years. Yeah. Their sweet 16 streak is fourth only to UCLA 14 in a row from 1967 to 1980, yep. North Carolina 13 in a row from 1981 to 1993, and Duke uh I believe nine in a, yeah. nine in a row yep. from 1998
1: to 2006. Right. So are legit.
0: Streak,
1: yeah. Cuz you would not see no one would say any of those institutions
0: aren't legit. No, for sure. They're legit. I, I do think Gonzaga has... I think people think that they're not legit because of the conference they play in. That was always my knock-on. But they have They have set the pace for that conference. Bingo. They've also won so many games in the NCAA tournament that they've made the West Coast Conference money that then the league has been able to revenue share and look at the field this year. You had four West Coast Conference teams uh, into the field. Let's see. Actually, no, just three. Uh, St. Mary's and San Francisco. But still, Francisco, so it's, yeah. a, it's a three-bit league, though. It right? is. And so... Uh, They've helped a lot of the the teams in their league rise. I I do think that the day that Gonzaga wins a national championship, and I think that this year is as good a shot as any. They are the Vegas favorite, and I think that uh, of the 16 teams left, I think that probably Arizona and Duke are the only two that I would definitively say are on par with Gonzaga. Maybe Purdue is in there, maybe UCLA, but I I mean, the only team I would really bet money on to to beat Gonzaga is Arizona in this field. But I do think if and when they win a national championship, the, the the haters will have to be silenced. They they will.
1: The cr- haters and the critics. Because sometimes they're separate, not the same. Um, Gonzaga is a legit program. I don't care who you are, where you're from, or what conference they play in. They beat teams outside of the conference right. soundly and handily. And until they're not in the tournament, or they're you know they're not beating the best of the best. That's another story for another day. But their history especially within the last almost decade, speaks for itself, man. The, re- the resume is beautiful for them.
0: I do think they have a distinct formula, too, because they, do ha- because they play in the West Coast Conference, but they want to be a one seed. They do play one of the hardest non-conferences in the country. Correct. They also have a lot of money in their athletic department budget for men's basketball because they don't have football. Right. So they can buy games for people to come to Spokane. Mm-hmm. They can also go play in some of these invitational tournaments. Everybody wants them. But I think that formula works out so great, too, because you test your team early, you find out what your weaknesses are, and then you get rolling. So many of these Power 5 teams, they have all this internal tor- turmoil because of playing time. And, you know, maybe you have to play at NC State, at Duke, and at North Carolina in one seven- or eight-day span, and you lose all three, and now everybody's at each other's throats. Whereas Gonzaga, they can play a tough non-conference and then get straight rolling and go 18-1 and or 20-0 and or whatever. And then they have no, they know exactly what to expect. Their execution is such a high level when they get in the tournament. What
1: I agree with everything you just said. What also a lot of people don't understand go look at the GPAs of the guys on this team. For sure. Like people, is a great school. Kuzak is a great school. Going back to St. Pete's, the academic, the acumen that these young men have along with their coaching staff aids their physicality. Like there is such a high, high high IQ on this team for sure. outside of the world of basketball right. that it's applicable onto the court. Well,
0: that's exactly right. We were talking to Tricia Bidford, Montana State's head women's basketball coach last week, and she was yeah. talking about preparing for Stanford. And she's like, well, Coulter, you know, I watch film for two <laughs> hours and they have no weaknesses because it's not only do they have five-star recruits, but also they all go to Stanford. Yeah, yeah they're smart. So they know exactly how to execute all the plays. It's actually flawless execution. You're probably not going to actually find any better execution on the earth. Than the Stanford women's basketball team because you're going to just have like all of these Rhodes Scholar esque players that are also, you know, six foot one former five star recruits who also are, by the way, part of the national champion, the defending national champions. So <laughs> interesting stuff. Yes, sir. sir. Nuanas Now, Rajim Seabrook in studio with yep. me, Coulter, Nuanas. Why are the Jacksonville Jaguars responsible for Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Robert Woods all getting traded? We'll tell you why on the other side. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I would this.
1: New one is now on 102.9 ESPN
0: Radio Missoula
1: my I'm shining man. twenty-four inches, one wheel when am one I've
0: been uh, driving my G-Wagon around. So that's why we're listening to some G unit. g g g love it. Hip hop Wednesday. My main guy at Rajim Seabrook in studio. It's spring break. So usually Rajim swings by on Fridays. We've been missing him because we've been gone the last couple Fridays. And so all by myself. And he's got he's got kiddo duties uh the last couple of days of this week. So flipped it up, switched it up. He's here with me right now. If you missed anything in today's show, all sorts of great discussions. I had a little uh little something to get off my chest all about the the way that the world of transfers in the Division One college basketball world is rolling right now. We also mm. talked, why does the Big Sky's representatives in the Big Dance, this is the eternal question. Why do they look like, they're not the worst team, but they look like the team that belongs the least the last, more often than not, the last 10 or 15 years in the NCAA tournament. And the Big Sky, on the men's side, the longest drought of any conference for NCAA tournament wins. Caveat, because it does count the, First four games, but still, it's been a long drought. It's been a strange one to follow and cover. So we talked a little bit about that. We also talked some NFL free agency, which we're going to finish the show with here in just a minute. Andrew, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Are we a 55-45 today or a 55-50, 56-50? Okay, he'll, he's going to let us know. We got, we're got we trying some stuff to make the rejoins with the national. so we'll be out here in just a minute. We're going to finish up some NFL free agency stuff. We also had a little history lesson about Bullet Bob. We also had a little lesson about culture and place of origin and a whole bunch of different things about the East Coast from our main guy, Rajim. Yep. You can find everything on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the Advocates as well as Sports Bet Montana. So this brings us full circle to the way that the NFL uh, is going out of control. I thought that NFL GMs and coaches would be smarter than to basically adhere to the laws and. Fanaticism that's behind fantasy football, but I guess not, at least in the case of certain franchises. Some of these quarterback contracts that are getting rolled off right now are crazy, but the receiver contracts are even crazier. Right now, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, if you've been following along, are terrible. Horrible. They have uh, the such a broken situation going on. All, a completely different segment for a different time, but the, all the Urban Meyer stuff from all throughout the year, but now this new article from The Athletic about... How this dude is saying racial stuff to his players. He's making dudes cry. He's talking about he doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. It's like, get out of here, man. How stupid can you be? Pretty dumb. This is all to say, though, that the Jags are even dumber when it comes to the free agency market because they gave Zay Jones, who exactly I don't even know. Question mark. And Christian Kirk, who's like, you know, a pretty okay, like top fifteen slot receiver in the NFL. But like like you were saying at the top, he's your number three if you have good receivers. They gave him Four years, $85 million, and Zay Jones, close to $50 million. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are paying two dudes who most of you have not heard of $98 million. That in itself impacts the franchise so much, and it sets it back to such a high level. But it also messes with the whole rest of the NFL. Oh, it reverberates. Because when Christian Kirk gets paid $85 million, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, two guys that just got traded, two of the best receivers in the National Football League, they both just got traded. Why? Because their respective franchises, the Packers and the Chiefs, saw the writing on the wall. They knew that they couldn't match the market being set. If Christian Kirk's worth ninety-eight million, what's Devonta Adams worth? Two hundred? <laughs> Twice that. Right. Well, what's sad about it is
1: it hamstrings teams, and Kansas City had to do it, um, especially because the money's drying up with Patrick Mahomes' contract, and 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 the yep. back end of Travis Kelsey's contract that a lot of people forget about. Yep. And it the just used to have less than a million in cap Bingo, bingo. So they had to do it. They had to ship it and all that money, and some of the attitude out of the house to clean house.
0: You always, you always wonder to. kills a phenomenal player. Amazing, one of, great, one of the great players in the NFL, hands down. But is he going to get any better than he's already been? It's very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Him replicating his exact peak this last three years would be amazing if you even did that right uh, you're it's just it's never it's always a, a bell curve right and you're always on your way down sooner than people want to believe totally so i think that when you can get the picks that they got for him like they got a first round pick for this now you can go draft a receiver are you going to draft a dude that's as good as tyree kill was last year absolutely not. no you're not no nope. but can you draft a guy that's way cheaper that then could maybe fill that void a little later on you can and so i think that that's where the chiefs are going with this but Uh, On the Green Bay side, I mean, Robert Woods also got traded to the Tennessee Titans, too. Uh, The Christian Kirk thing, regardless of who's getting traded where, it resets the whole market for wide receivers, and it's going to make everything a mess. Like, what's Justin Jefferson going to get in Minnesota when he's up as a free agent? What's Jamar Chase going to get? Like, if Jamar Chase is up for a contract in two years, and that Christian Kirk contract is the barometer... I mean, Jamar Chase is asking, asking for what, $25 million a year? Buddy,
1: the NFL is going to have a Great Depression here in about three years. <laughs> right. With Because they're not going to be able to afford it unless they just get rid of the salary cap.
0: Well, th- That's where it's going to be interesting because I guarantee the next collecting bar- collective CBA. bargaining agreement, they are going to try to push for like an NBA model where if you exceed the salary cap, you just pay the luxury tax and just roll.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's inflation all the way around. The NFL is mirroring the world right now. Amen to that.
0: So thanks for being here, man. This was fun to Thanks you. for
1: having me. Gracias, mi hermano.
0: Always great to learn about and talk to and discuss all the things in the world. Anything going on? Are you watching some games this weekend, or what's going oh, on? You know this. How's your, how's your bracket looking? I'm actually not that bad. Um, you got some Final Fours hanging on. Uh, yeah. Who's, uh, your, who's No? Your Final the, Four? Only, the
1: only only one I'm out on was was Kentucky.
0: Mm. But See, I have Auburn in my Final Four, so that would hurt a little I, bit. I'll too.
1: take a picture of it and show it to you. I have Gonzaga there. I have oh God, I have too many brackets, that's the problem, but I have one bracket that looks pretty good.
0: See, I I'm always I always just roll with the one bracket. And oh. once spread the love. Got the work bracket, got the family bracket. See, I just I fill out the same bracket and enter them into all the brackets. You probably so. do
1: fantasy football the same way too. Do you just draft the same guy across four different teams? I uh, try
0: to as much as possibly can. <laughs> Nailed you, baby. I don't, love you. You don't waste the brain space, <laughs> man. Focus on one thing. You got a big brain. Also, Use it. You got a lot of uh you got a lot more bragging if you just hit the, the right bracket and win multiple groups though, then you got bragging rights over everybody. Because gotcha. it wasn't I picked this and that and whatever. I just picked it. Boom, I beat you in this group, this group, this group. I'm not beating anybody this year, though. I'm beating myself up. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. My new Final Four is Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, begrudgingly, just because I think that they got hooked up with all the upsets on that side of their deal. That's my Final Four. And, uh... I think I got – I'm still debating and deliberating between Purdue and UCLA. I think that's going to be a great game, a great regional final.
1: Yeah, I have my three fi- – that's who I picked for my final four, and I also had Kentucky. But mm. That's That that whole
0: bracket is bust. That part of that, done. Rajeev Seabrook here on Nuanas Now. We will be back at it tomorrow, 3 p.m., all four Missoula broadcasting stations, and then we'll be doing Nuanas Now, normal time, 4 to 6. I'll be doing it from the back of a pontoon boat, so Ooh-oh. that should be fun. Come hang out with us tomorrow at Brett's RV and Marine One of the biggest sales of the year gets underway. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big.